0: Good morning, everyone. We're going to get started. I was thinking going into this week, since it's going to be Thanksgiving, that we always think about how thankful we are for for everything during this time. And I just really felt the Lord speak to me about not being thankful for our possessions and our things, because those are just for a season, but being thankful this morning for the Lord, because He is forever And so I just want to sing these songs and worship him this morning because of who he is. And I'm going to pray and we're going to go ahead and get started. Heavenly Father, we just worship you this morning. We just love you so much and we are so blessed that we can come and just worship you freely, Lord. And we just ask that you come, Lord, you are welcome here today. And if you don't come, nothing changes, it doesn't matter who's on the platform or who's in the seats, Lord. If you don't come, nothing changes. So we welcome you and we ask that you come and do what only you can do this morning. We thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you for always being here for us. And we are so thankful that you are our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Let's stand together, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Let's take a moment. If you need prayer, we're going to ask the elders to come. And anything special that's happening in your life, any difficulty you might be facing, feel free to come forward, be prayed over, where any two or three agree. And that's what we believe. So bless you as we worship. that, say praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, you know, it doesn't say all my life has been perfect, right, because we don't have perfect lives, all my life has not been without any problems at all, Uh, if you feel that's your life, wow, you are really blessed, but no matter what we go through, no matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the heartache or the despair, we know that it'll turn for goodness, all the time and he's always there in every situation i'm so glad for that you know what we're going to do something a little different we want to pray for a couple of needs but before we do just go ahead and be seated and my mother actually just had a testimony that she wanted to share and uh it's pretty good it's pretty good
2: We we just sang all my life. He's been so good to me and I have so many testimonies. At ninety years of age I could talk about miracles that happened to me and David and we've traveled so many years, thousands of miles, and this week when they were talking about the the snowstorm, I thought of one night at eleven o'clock we were coming back from Pittsburgh. Uh, It wasn't wasn't a four-foot snow, it was a one-foot snow, but that's still a lot. We were coming down Unity Road and the kids were in the back asleep on something that some man made for us, they were all both asleep there. And all of a sudden, for no reason, out in the country with no houses around, the And we had these big old heavy cars, but for some reason or other, when he started up the hill, it slipped and we flew into this bank. And we both looked at each other. There were no houses around, no nothing. And our kids are sleeping in the back. What are we going to do? Believe it or not, because I I heard angel stories this week and I know this was an angel. It, It was like a mythical Paul Bunyan man. He got out of a pickup truck pulled by us, took out of the back of his pickup a big chain, and within minutes, we were out and tr- going our way. Davis said, and he looked like Paul Bunyan, Bunyan. He was big. And it was kind of scary at 11 o'clock and dark at night, but it was a miracle from God. And there are many stories I know you can tell like that, but I just thank every day, at 90 years of age, I have about 1,000 of them, but I praise God for his miracles.
1: But now, now wait a minute. Was that the end of it, though? Because didn't dad get out of the car to give him some money? He got out of the car to give him some money, and he wasn't there. Yeah, he, my, my dad would always say, I got out, and I went back to him, and he had already left. He was already gone. So was, so was he really a person, or was he an angel? We don't know. We don't know. But how many are glad he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways? Um, and just this, before we take the offer, let's just take a few moments. I know we, we had a, a, a bunch of calls, a number of folks. Actually, Steve and Debbie Prothero were going to be here today. And oddly enough, he said, Debbie got the flu. So he said, I'm just going to stay home with her. Um, but he is hopefully going to be back here in the next week or so. But, uh, and also we had a couple of phone calls, some families that are just battling. It, it's going around now, right? You know, here, here it comes again. <laughs> so we know that it's coming. So let's just lift some of those up uh, and others. Father, we just thank you so much for your angels that give charge over us. How many, how many times, if, if you could open our spiritual eyes and what we would see would astonish us the spiritual powers that are around us, the miracles that are around us, the things that are happening, lest, as the psalmist David said, lest we dash our foot against a stone. Your angel is there. So we thank you for that. We just ask, Lord, that that same spirit of healing and anointing will go to those that are suffering right now with the flu at home, whatever the flu might be to them, uh, the head, the chest, the stomach, whatever. We thank you that you're the God that heals and you're going to watch out for them and bring them back strong, get them ready for a strong week of of work as well, and make them productive again. We thank you for your healing touch. We thank you for your touch on all of our lives and how you minister to each of us. And we're going to praise you ahead of time for all your blessings. We ask it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Ushers, if you'll come, and we will bless, continue to worship by blessing him. (coughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um Charles, would you ask the blessing of the offering? Father, we come to you to say thank you for your many blessings. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. We pray that you take this offering, bless it, use it in the kingdom of Satan. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And just a couple of quick announcements. Um <clears throat> and uh You'll notice I said last Sunday that I can't remember things from the one end of the hall to the next, so I had to write them down on a styrofoam cup that was sitting over there so I could remember what I had to say. It's getting so bad. Um, I know that we we had, um, I believe, Vi Proverbs is back in Florida, and um, uh, Pastor Ron and Joanne drove her car down for her, I believe, so they'll be, they'll be coming home shortly as well. Uh, Florida, are we still here, or when are we heading? When are we heading down? Oh, this week you're heading down. Okay, so amen. Lord bless them as they go, keep them safe, and help them to have lots of cloudy days when they're down there. <laughs> Cold, cloudy days. <sighs> amen. Lisa, do you have ever- you have what? Yeah. Oh, yes. That was that was my yes. the The water has been repaired. So, hallelujah! Everything is good. And you notice the most excited one was one of the staff people because those outhouses were getting really cold in the morning this past week. They were cold. Let me tell you something. It was fun. <laughs> um, also, next week. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, those infections. Oh, man. A- A- Annie? Angie. 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 Let me just put your hand forward and let's just pray for Angie. Father, we just thank you for your healing touch. Send angels right now in the name of Jesus. Angels with healing power in the name of Jesus to her bedside, to where she may be at. We speak healing to her in Jesus' name. Clean the blood out in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. I'll tell you... As we 've seen in, in some of you as well, Don and others, the, the most dangerous part of any surgery is the infection. it 's not the surgery, it 's what comes after it. So amen. Um, next Sunday, next Sunday we 're going to be doing something a little different. Uh, Pastor Yuri will be sharing the word, and uh, he's been, we met yesterday and went over some of the things he wanted to share, and I think you 're going to be blessed by, by what he has to share. but also his sister is up from uh, Brazil and so she is going to probably be leading worship next Sunday. So it's going to be the Yuri show. <laughs> no, it, it should be very good. She's, I believe she's been part of worship here before, uh, years ago. And she does a wonderful job and, uh, you will enjoy her. And we, we, um, we do thank Alexis for helping out in this time. Uh, and, uh, amen. Amen. Bless her. And, um, also, uh, we are, we are that close to Pastor Steve coming back. Um, he is all, everything is almost out, the tubes and the, the stuff like that. I believe he's off his antibiotics coming up around Thanksgiving this week uh, and everything. So we're hoping to see him very soon. He, he uh, is feeling really well. He can lift 30 pounds now. He's allowed to lift 30 pounds. So um, hallelujah. So anyway. So we're looking forward to, to him being back as well. Amen. Take your Bibles. Let's open them to Ephesians, the third chapter. Ephesians, the third chapter. And we are going to be down in, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what am I, Philippians. What am I saying? Philippians, where am I? Good. See, some of you even followed. And you knew that I was wrong. That's good. <laughs> Philippians, the third chapter. And we are actually going to be in verse 7, we're going to be talking about gaining Christ, gaining Christ. Uh, Philippians, the third chapter, verse 7, let's just read uh, 7 through 11, and we will take some thoughts from there. Philippians, the third chapter, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So, talking about gaining Christ here this morning, and and Paul moves from how he was living, he gave us all these little tidbits and insights on living and things like that, and he's now moving to this final phase of his thinking where he's talking about gaining Christ and everything that that represents. And it sort of sounds like uh, it's interesting phraseology because he sort of makes it sound like uh, he's in control that I may gain, that I may know, that I may this, that I may that. Uh, and, it, and it's not really that he's in control of his own destiny or in control of his own salvation, but he's talking, the I believe, the practical side of our walk with Christ, and that is what we do after the Holy Spirit has gained our hearts. So we, we are, we're talking about moving forward in us. He's begun a good work in us, and that was his uh, he's going to bring it to completion. So I believe that what he's saying here is the practical, we've talked about this before, the practical versus the positional side of Christianity. We know that, that uh, you do not just get saved and then sit back and do nothing, right? That's, that's not the way we walk. We know that, as Jesus said, the kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a side to that that is literally the, that we have to have a violence inside of ourselves to subdue the flesh, how many know that's an easy job? Uh, we know what it's like to battle negative thinking. How many, how many negative thoughts come into your mind every day? Oh, at least one, right? <laughs> one whole long thought all day, right? It's a, it's a constant battle, a constant battle. We know how the devil seeks to find every weakness in us right? He's like a a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He puts devices in front of us and we know how difficult it is to walk in that way. How hard it is to turn the other cheek, to forgive those who have hurt you. How hard it is to bless those who persecute you. It's not, this is not easy chair Christianity, right? This is, this is difficult. So his goal, Paul says, is basically to do three things. To know, to win, and to gain. To know, to win, and to gain. And I'm, I'm going to flip it around a bit and start from, from the bottom and, and move up a little bit. So he says, I count everything as loss. Everything in my life, whatever I had, didn't have, I count it as loss so that I can gain Christ and be found in him. So I can know him fully. That's the goal, to know Jesus fully and to attain the resurrection of the dead. So... Let's look at the first one. He says that I might know him, the things that were, that were gained to me, I've counted for loss, so that I could begin to know him. I may gain Christ. Now, this is an interesting word um, <clears throat> that, he, that he uses here when he talks about gaining Christ uh, in verse 7. Those things which were gained to me I've counted for loss. Well, there's two aspects to this word gain. So, first of all, I believe Paul could not be talking about normal monetary gains in life, like the normal stuff we have, cars and houses, and we go to work tomorrow, we get a paycheck, or we're on retirement, Social Security, we get money. So remember, he's writing to the Philippian church, thanking them for their monetary gift. So if they gave him a monetary gift, I'm, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but my understanding would be if they gave him a monetary gift, that means somebody had to be working right? So they had to have money in order to give to Paul and his ministry. So if no one was working and making gains, then there could not be any monetary gift. Lydia was a seller of purple. That was the first convert in Philippi. that means uh, as a seller of purple, she was a seller of fabrics and things like that to the community that she was in. She was a businesswoman, so she was making money. She was making gains. And that's a good thing to do. And by the way, don't forget where she lived you know we went through this whole thing about the little cake shop that didn't want to bake a cake for two homosexuals for a homosexual couple I don't know folks uh if that was me I'd still bake the cake and make money and then I'd make sure I had a little plaque on my desk there that on the counter that said we support exodus ministries that set people free from homosexuality we support this ministry and that ministry we support. So if you still want to buy a cake from us, that's fine. I'll make the cake for you. I don't care. You know, I know there are some Christians that, and I'm not, I'm not speaking against this, but I don't want to shop there because they support this, and I don't want to shop there. because You know, folks, if, if you carry that to the extreme, you're all going to be walking around naked with nothing. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure General Motors is not a godly company. Ford is not. Right, Jim? Ford is not a godly company. I don't think at Chrysler Corporation, they, wait, they get every morning, they start with prayer. <laughs> they come into the boardroom and there's coffee, donuts, and prayer, right? State of Ohio was not like that, Roxanne, right? No. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you're going to do business, you're going to do business. And you're going to do business with unsavory people in an unsavory society, I remember a contractor friend that used to, uh, he's actually on the board for many years when I pastored before, and we were talking about the mafia in Youngstown. I know there's no mafia in Youngstown, but. And he was a contractor, and he said, Pastor, if you don't want to do business with the mob, you're not going to do business. It's true. <laughs> I'm going to get to an example about your husband in a minute, so. That's true. Yes, Julie, you. <laughs> yes. It is true. It is true. So, so you know, so there she was, she was. What better thing to do than make money from the world and give it into the kingdom? That's a great exchange. It works out really well. So, so I don't think it talks about uh, earning a living or, or making money. Because we know it's not wrong to have possessions. It's wrong when possessions have you, right? It's, it's not wrong to have money. It's wrong when money has you. It's not wrong to own something. It's wrong when something owns you. That's not what it's about. Uh, Jesus said it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So I don't believe he's talking about normal gains here. Like He's not saying in order to win Christ you have to quit your job and you have to give up everything and sell your house and go live in the woods. That's not what he's saying here. Uh, I believe it's it's, uh, very interesting because he uses the word here, gain, and he only uses it here and in the book of Titus. And the actual word is filthy lucre. Filthy lucre. Well, where did Paul get filthy lucre? Well, he was a Pharisee. That was about the most filthy job you could have. It was a job of extortion. It was a terrible job. Read what Jesus said about the Pharisees all through the New Testament, right? Right? And so he said, that's why he gives this little dissertation that we just read last week a little bit before that. Circumcised the eighth day, right? And we found out that's meaningless as it comes to salvation. It doesn't mean a thing. Circumcised, uncircumcised, doesn't mean anything. I was of the stock of Israel. Well, that's meaningless. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. That's meaningless. Uh, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In other words, my father was a Hebrew and my mother was a Hebrew. And so I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Well, that's just arrogant, right? Uh, As touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Well, that's evil. And then concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians for a living. He was dragging them to prison. That was evil, filthy lucre that he was gaining. So all of these things. He gave up his income, his position, his job, his friends, his family, because he had to give up his lifestyle as a Pharisee. And everything that he received was filthy lucre, so it all had to go. Here's an example. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you didn't have to give up your job at GM or the steel mill. You didn't have to give up your job as a teacher. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, you didn't have to go into the principal the next morning and say, you know what, I just accepted Christ as my Savior, so I have to quit now. No, no. You didn't have to give up any of those jobs. You could still be a welder, a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher, whatever you were. Those are not evil possessions. You could still be a politician. Well, wait a minute. No, take that one back. (laughs) No, those are not evil possessions. But what if you were a stripper, a prostitute, a gambler, a racketeer, a bookie, a drug dealer, and you get saved? It's easy for us to say, well, hey, you got to give up everything. It's easy for us to say that. Uh, what, what if you're a Hollywood movie star, and you get saved, and you say to your agent, I'm not going to do any more sex scenes. I don't, don't want to kiss people because I'm happily married. Well, you're probably not going to have a job. What, 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 if, what if you... I, I had, a, I had a, a, a gentleman that used to come to church when I was pastoring before, and, and he got saved, and he owned a bar. And it was a struggle for him. Well, it would be easy. It's easy for us to say, hey, you got to sell that bar. Well, that's his whole life. So it's difficult at times when you have to give up everything. Chrysostome, the early church father said, when the sun does appear in the sky, it is lost to sit by a candle. In other words, when your life becomes bright, eventually you're going to realize that that candle is useless and you'll make a change. But it's difficult. So we, the lesson for each of us is simple. I believe that every day we need to wake up and take an inventory of those things in our lives that we consider gain but might be useless and possibly even evil. We need to strip off the weights of sin that so easily beset us so we can run the race. We need to question the motives, the attitudes, and the actions that... Because we might they might be just evil enough to stop us from pursuing the Lord, and in paul 's life that was his whole life for us it 's certain things we have to give up uh, this past week, uh, Pastor Grandi came in and was talking with Jim and I, and we were we were just talking like three old italian guys and uh, <laughs> and he was talking about his testimony again and, and a couple i don 't even know how we got on the subject, but he was, uh, of course, involved in a lot of things before he was saved. But one of them was he was a bartender, and uh, so he he said he actually became the head bartender of, of where he was at. And he said one one night he said I'd gotten saved. He says I not He said to be to be honest with you, I don't even know how I got saved. I just I got saved. I accepted Christ and. And he said, I was, we were at this big shindig, uh, and, and there was an open bar, and it was a wedding, a big wedding, and it was an open bar. And he says, so I'm tending the bar, I'm keeping track of the guys and everything. And, and all of a sudden, up to the bar comes Jay Alford. Now, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Jay Alford was the pastor of Highway Tabernacle for many, many years, and uh, was friends with my dad and, and that whole crew back there. So he comes up by the bar, he says, now, now David says, I was actually attending Highway Tabernacle at the time. And here comes the pastor, and he, he orders a Coke, and so I give it to him, and he says, I didn't say a word. I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't say, like, good to see you, pastor. <laughs> I didn't say a word. You know what's really cool? Jay Alford said to him, this job is a good job. You're making money for your family. Stay as long as you can, but when the Holy Spirit tells you to quit. Quit. That's good advice. And within a few months, he quit. It's good advice. You know, the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you at a certain time and say, Stop that. You know what? Doesn't matter what you're doing or where you're at, as believers, the Holy Spirit every moment of the day can stop us and say, Stop that. Stop that thought. Stop that attitude. Stop that gossip. Stop that. Stop this stop that. And that's what holiness is. So I believe all that is wrapped up in what Paul is saying is I need to make sure every part of my life is prepared to move forward with Jesus. I want to move forward with him. And it leads us to the second point. He says that I might know him fully. I want to know everything about Jesus fully and he gives those three things the fellowship of his sufferings be conformable unto his death and 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 then attaining the resurrection but he says first i need to know him actually this verb and i had to i had to call an english teacher (laughs) to find this out. This verb is actually called a prolonged verb. And uh, it literally means to lengthen in time, scope, range, or extent. So to know is to know as long as you can the full scope of knowledge, the full range of knowledge, the full extent of knowledge. It's taking whatever that verb is and compounding it over and over and over again more and more and more and more and more. So what Paul is basically saying is here I want to know jesus and i want to know everything about jesus i want to know it all about him this is not just a howdy doody time where i check in and say hi jesus how you doing and he says i'm great and you leave you know hey we had a party last week and guess who showed up jesus (laughs) it was awesome (laughs) where did he go after that oh i don't know but it was really cool we spent a few moments with jesus no, that's not what this is. This is not just a wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Jesus, and then go on our merry way. This, this, this is a marriage relationship. Paul even says that, doesn't he? This is the mystery, Christ and his church, the husband and the bride. This is a marriage relationship. It's, it's meant for a deep, extended, full-ranging desire to learn to know uh, who Jesus is. But you know what's even what's even better about this cuz I've been married for 40 years. It's really great. I still don't understand women, but I can understand Jesus more and more. <laughs> Get to know him every day, deeper and deeper and deeper Paul says. And 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 that's the goal that we have. And then he says, also, we have to have the fellowship of his sufferings. Well, I don't believe this means bleeding on the person next to you. We, we talked about this before. It means a living sacrifice. Every day, fellowshipping with him. When we suffer, whatever it is, I believe, I believe whatever it is, if it's a stub toe to all the way to being persecuted for him and being burned at the stake or dying on a cross, whatever it is, going through chemotherapy treatments, recovering from an illness, whatever it is, it's suffering and we know that if we suffer with him, we will endure with him, we will be patient through it and we will reign with him. So Paul says, take the full scope of suffering in this entire world and understand that we're suffering, he's felt it all, right folks? He's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. There's nothing he doesn't feel, nothing he doesn't sense. We're touched by him, and he knows exactly what's happening in our lives. So we're fellowshipping with him. Then he says, I want to be made conformable to his death. Wow. Now you say, this sounds even worse. and, And we'll get to the good part. But he says, you know, fellowship of sufferings, that's rough. And being conformable to his death, that sounds even worse. And what's interesting is this word conformable means literally to assimilate. To assimilate. Our goal as a believer in Jesus is to be assimilated totally into Him and He totally into us so that the line between David, Verzilli, and Jesus becomes blurred. That's the goal. The goal is for that line to become so blurry that I can't tell where David starts and Jesus ends. That's what our goal is. Uh, We. we, been in our house now for about 15 years and we had an old driveway that was uh, part gravel and part busted up cement <laughs> so it was clunkety clickety clackety the whole way in and out it was about two inches lower than the than the garage floor so it was always boom, into the garage and out so finally we got a new asphalt driveway it was just, it's just so nice and the thing that's amazing about it is it's so smooth you don't know where the garage ends and the garage begins you don't know where the road ends and the road begins. Before, you could tell really well. You don't know where the cement and the gravel part begins and ends. Now it's all smooth. And every time now when I take the trash can out, I walk out of the garage and I don't go kunk. And down the driveway, clickety-clackety. Tush, 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 right? Now it's just smooth the whole way. That's amazing. I'm, I'm, I bought a new snow shovel because I'm so excited to shovel snow. <laughs> because before it was, click, lift it up, get over the, right? Or oh, the gravel's starting now. Oh, got now I'm looking forward to just being able to go right down the driveway. Oh, isn't that something? That's the goal of us as believers. No clickety clunkety in our lives, folks. All Jesus. Where do I begin? Where do I end? Where does Jesus start? Where does Jesus end? It doesn't matter. There is no line of demarcation anymore in our lives. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And then the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved himself and gave him. Conformity does not mean we strap a cross on our back and walk toward a crucifixion. I'll tell you what, sometimes it would be a lot easier that way, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be easier if you got saved and they said, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to go to the cross now and you'll be dead in about five hours. Amen. No, now we got to take that cross every day, don't we? Every day, a living sacrifice. Living a crucified life, it does not mean we whip ourselves. It does mean we subjugate the flesh. It does not mean we make ourselves bleed physically to try to be like Jesus. It does mean we pour ourselves out as a sacrifice to him, to each other, and to the world. It means attempting to walk the way he walked, love the way he loved, worship the way he worshiped, pray the way he prayed, reach the lost the way he did. That's our goal. To be conformed to his image. One of the greatest testimonies or testaments that anyone could ever say to you is that you're a follower of Jesus. And I can tell. Much better than them looking at you and saying, wait, what? You're a follower of Jesus? (laughs) I don't know about that. No. Conformed to his image. And Paul says that... This one last reason is the reason for this whole thing, and that is so that I might attain the resurrection from the dead, verse 11. That was Paul's ultimate goal, to obtain the resurrection of the dead, and that should be our goal as well. Uh, I, I know he's come to give us abundant life. I know this is great, that we, what we have down here. I know his blessings are poured out, but I'll tell you what, my friend, I'm looking forward to heaven there is, believe it or not, a resurrection. We will rise from the dead. It will happen. It's not a guess. It's not a possibility. It will happen. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, to live as Christ, and to die, we just read earlier, is even better. (laughs) Hallelujah. We are going to see our loved ones again. We're going to see our children. We're going to see our parents. We're going to see our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're going to see everyone that's named the name of Jesus. We will be someday chatting with Paul and Peter and Moses and Jonah and Luther and Wesley and all the rest. We will be. Doing. I am absolutely persuaded that there is a heaven, that there is an eternity, that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming, that there is a throne that is seated in the heavens, that. That it is complete, and that my king is sitting on it until he makes earth his footstool, and then he will create a new heaven and a new earth. I am absolutely persuaded, and Paul is as well, and others. Huh. That's why the word says, then I heard a voice from heaven saying, write, write. write. this is what's cool write this down basically the holy spirit says blessed are the dead who die in the lord from now on yes says the spirit yes says the spirit yes says the spirit that they may rest from their labor and their works do follow them i believe it whatever i have given up on earth wait till you see what i get back in heaven Whatever I lose on earth, wait till you see what I get over there. Whatever pain I've had, wait till you see the pleasure that's there. Wait, whatever sorrow I've had, wait till you see the joy that's coming. Every tear will be gone. Every heartache will be healed. Every loss will be restored. Jesus will return someday. Now, I know we've been looking for it for 2,000 years. You may say, well, when's, when's he coming back? I don't know. He may come back within our lifetime, or he may come back for me tonight. Either way he does, (laughs) hallelujah, I'm gone, I'm in heaven. And my wife has to figure out the rest. (laughs) But we, we believe it. In the earliest portions of scripture, we find resurrection thought. Abraham, our father of the faith, raised his knife to plunge it into the breast of Isaac because he was fully assured that God was able to raise him from the dead. That's what the word says, Hebrews 11. He believed God who quickens the dead and calls those things which are not as though they were. Who against hope, Paul says, believed in hope. He didn't stop believing because he knew somehow there was a resurrection. Remember, there was no Genesis through Deuteronomy. There was no Old Testament. There were no prophets then. There were, there was no Jehovah per se. Then all he knew is a deep inside God, this voice told him that there would be a resurrection. David, who after he had sinned with Bathsheba, that baby born in that despicable act lay dying. And while that baby died, he fasted and he prayed and he, and he had ashes on his body. But the day that the baby died, he got up, he put, washed himself, he put clothes on, he began to eat, and they said to him, David, why are you doing this now all of a sudden? And David said, remember, this is before Jesus. David said, he, he cannot come to me, but someday I will go to him. Even Job, with no scripture, with nothing beside him except just words, even Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives. How did he even know he had a Redeemer? There was nothing. There was not the word. How did he know? He knew inside by the power of the spirit that he had a redeemer. And he said he will stand on the last day on the earth. And after my flesh is destroyed. This I know that in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold and none other. And then I love this last line. How my heart yearns within me. <laughs> there is a resurrection. It is coming. I believe in a resurrection and a new heaven and a new earth and I and you, we have to do everything in our power to make sure we retain that in ourselves. You may say, well, I don't know about that, brother. That is such a fantasy. Yes, it is a fantasy, but it's my fantasy and let me have it. Right? If you want to believe it's a fantasy, that's fine. It, 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 if you want to believe instead about the process of evolution, that we came from nothing and nothing matters and we're heading toward nothing, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> you can believe that. You, you can believe. And if you really do believe that, I was just sharing this past week. I was substituting in, in school and we were sharing about the creation account and evolution. And I said, you know, the scientists, they, they call that original Uh, tennis ball, baseball size of of matter, they call it the singularity. And that at some point in prehistory, the singularity that was in no time, no space, no nothing, it was just void, that singularity always existed. It was an eternal singularity. And all of a sudden, that singularity exploded and we have the universe. I, I think you can shorten the word singularity to three letters, God, so, so, so let me get this straight, scientists, let me get this straight. There was a ball of matter suspended in absolutely nothing, like void and darkness, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, contrary to all the laws of physics, an outside force equal, uh, equal to the force that was going to hit that ball suddenly hit the ball from somewhere, and the ball exploded, and here we are. Right. Sort of sounds like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be, and the ball exploded, whatever it was. So you you can believe that If you believe that that's all there is, is the evolutionary process and all that, and that there is no resurrection, if you believe that, then I don't even know why you're sitting in this room. You should be out partying hard, so hard that you can't even stand up. You should be out grasping and clutching and clawing for everything you can, because very fast, it's going to the worms. And you'll have nothing. If that's it. If you believe that you're in control of your own destiny and that there's no God, then it's the same result. Go ahead, have that dark fantasy of void and death. But you can you can have that. Fan. But for me, I'm going to choose to believe that there is a resurrection that is coming. There is a heaven that is coming, and all I need to do is realize First Corinthians, the fifteenth chapter. It is this is what Paul said. So it is written of the resurrection of the dead. The that is sown in corruption is raised in in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, oh boy, that's all we see right now, isn't it? Dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, and it's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. There is a natural body, Paul says, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam became a living being, but the last Adam, Jesus, became a life giving spirit. I don't know about you this morning but I'm serving a life giving spirit this morning. I've got a life sentence with a life giving spirit. Hallelujah. This life giving spirit in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump the dead will be raised incorruptible and this mortal shall be changed for corruptible is going to put on incorruption mortal is going to put on immortality. So when the corruptible is put on incorruption and when the mortal has put on immortality immortality then shall be brought to pass that is saying death is swallowed up in victory at the resurrection my death is going to become his victory my suffering is going to become his victory my pain is going to become his victory my confusion my handicap my doubt my fear my anxiety will all be swallowed up in the victory of resurrection and paul says i've got to do everything to get there I don't know about you, but that's why we call it the blessed hope. That's it. That's our hope. That's our hope. If we don't have that, Paul says, we are of men most miserable. And you see the misery around us, don't you? Men most miserable. So Paul is saying, all this suffering, all that Jesus went through, all that we go through for him, all this weakness, all this pain, If this is not swallowed up in victory, then what good has it all been? So by faith, I either have to believe that in the beginning, nothing created the heavens and the earth, or I have to believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I don't know about you, but I choose to believe God and not nothing. I'm glad I have a heavenly father this morning that I don't understand. I don't know what he's doing sometimes. I don't know what direction he's taking many times, but I do know this, that he is going to bring about a resurrection at the end of the day and all of the knowing him and longing for him and the groaning for this new heaven and new earth will come to pass and we will stand before him in victory with our beloved apostle Paul our brother. Let's bow our heads. Father, we just thank you so much that Paul laid this out for us. Even somebody as brilliant as Paul, who knew the past from the beginning, who went to the third heaven, he understood these things. And he said, folks, there is one goal that I need to pursue, that I would be in fellowship with him and his sufferings, that I would know him fully, because I want to gain the resurrection. And we're 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 just excited to know that our brother Paul and millions before him have found that resurrection already. And they're waiting for the last day when it will be complete, but right now they're in your presence. And I believe they would say the same thing that we would all say, and that is doesn't matter <laughs> all the suffering, all the present things we've gone through are worth nothing to be compared to the glory that's being revealed. So help us, Father, to be faithful to attain that wonderful goal someday. And we will. We will. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I don't know about you, but I don't think there's really anything else in life worth trying to know other than Jesus, right? I mean, you know, it's good you know your trade. It's good you know your studies and your curriculums and things like that. That's all good to know. But underneath it all, our goal should be to know Jesus fully fully, every part of his existence, all in scripture and in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want to do that. That's a goal. That's a goal in our lives. Hallelujah. God bless you. Turn around. You're dismissed. Go forth praising him. Get to know him this week even more and more and more.